the job interview. Truly the make it or break it portion of your search for a new position. But keep in mind to really impress the employer, you need to do a few things. Some quality research on the company. You need to show the value that you add to their organization. And you also need to ask thought-provoking, relevant questions. You get maybe one or two questions you can ask, and then the interviewer says, well, you know, we're going to have a second round or whatever, and thanks for coming. Tim, if you get the opportunity to ask many questions or just one, here's a question that I, I want every one of your listeners to ask the interviewer. Here it is. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is called a tease. Hello, everyone. I'm Tim Muma. Thanks for joining us here on Job Search Guide. Our focus for this episode is on the job interview, and we've brought back Mike Perry, president of Zarka Financial, a favorite of ours here on LJN Radio. Now, Mike has been a hiring professional for more than three decades, and he always has some terrific insight into how you can nail the job interview and get hired, maybe even on the spot. Mike, thanks a lot for coming back on the show. Hey, thanks, Tim. We always appreciate the opportunity to speak to your listeners. And I know they appreciate hearing from you, uh, just the insight that you can give, kind of from the other side of the table, as we like to say, uh, as a lot of our job seekers are looking for help. And many times the questions come about related to the interview, kind of that last stand, if you will, trying to get your foot uh, officially in the door. I wanted to start, we had a couple questions we want to go through. We've talked about this topic a little bit in the past and had some leftovers that we really wanted to touch on. And one of the things that does come up quite a bit is in the end of the interview, where it's the job seeker's turn to ask some questions. What types of questions should they be looking to ask that might impress the interviewer? I guess it could be during the interview or also at the end. Well, and and Tim, I'll tell you, you hit the nail on the head. Sometimes I think job seekers uh, are under the false impression or, or following, let's say, the myth of, I, can, I can't ask questions till the end or I can't take notes. Right. Uh, no, strike an X through both of those. Number one, they definitely should be taking notes because on top of the prepared questions that, that I'll talk about here in a second, a candidate can get some great questions just extracting them from the conversation that's currently live and happening. So if they're taking great notes, they can circle it, they can exit, whatever, and say you know, to themselves, I kind of have to go back to that. Right. I, need to, I need to clarify that. I mean, I don't want to lose my train of thought or I don't want to interrupt the person, but I need to go back to that. What it tells the interviewer, be it the hiring manager, the agent, who's ever interviewing them is, boy, this person's really thinking this through. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you that if the questions, regardless of whether they come from your notes or the kind of questions I'm going to, I'm going to suggest that you go prepared with, interviewers are so sick and tired of getting the following as questions. Hey, Mike, uh, when's the first day off? Oh, uh, Mike, tell me about your benefits. Uh, so how many holidays do you guys have? Wow. How often do we get paid? Uh, Tim, I, you know, every time I bring that up, when I make a presentation to a job seekers group or whatever, people kind of chuckle and I say, hey, I wish I was making that up. That's crazy. But I'm not. This is, what pe- this is how prepared people are. And, and I've heard hiring managers tell me time and time again, that drives me crazy. Sure. That people don't come better prepared to really ask me. Tim is a hiring manager for the last four decades, basically. I'm telling you. That, that not only from my own perspective, but from the perspective of other hiring managers in my network. What you coming to an interview prepared with specific, well-thought-out, well-researched topics, 
what it tells me is, wow, hmm. this candidate really spent some time preparing for this. So the fact that you've got prepared questions, and by the way, when I say that, I'm telling there's a little tip for your for your audience. Take a nice portfolio that you're going to take notes in. Have your questions typed. Nothing that looks like you wrote them on the bus on the way there. But, you know, like our, a lot of our kids used to do their homework, but stuff that's typed. And so when you open a portfolio, trust me, good hiring managers, good recruiters and interviewers are looking to see what you brought, what you have in there. And if they see that you're, you have that and you're referencing it, what, you know what they're saying? Boy, this person was obviously prepared before they got here. Right. They did research on my company. That alone tells me that, that I've already got somebody who's going to do more than most candidates. So in your research, let's say, for instance, on a website, um, a financial analyst report, uh, their Facebook page, somewhere you get the impression or the company just states, hey, we're going to expand into – you know, the Southwest uh, starting next year, you know, so on and so forth. That's a press release on the website or mm. they, they are announcing it on Facebook or oh, one of the million ways we can find out what a company is doing. Here's what the candidate does. Dur if it doesn't come up during the conversation at all, the candidate can say, hey, Tim, uh, you know, I was reading your press releases on your website. So already, Tim, what are you thinking? Wow, this guy, we looked at our website, he's looking at press releases. Right. He's This candidate's engaged. So, hey, Tim, I read this on your website that you're going to expand into the Southwest. You know, I've been on several uh, task forces at you know, my, my previous and, and current employer where I helped in making acquisitions or expanding into other areas of the country. As a matter of fact, I, I did uh, several in Texas, Arizona, you know, whatever, and, you know, here's how I could bring value as you guys are doing that. Are you going to continue expanding in other parts of the country? Because I think I could really help. Hmm. Wow. Right. Tim, do you think that, do you think that comes across better to, <laughs> to a hiring manager or an interviewer than what's my first day off? Yeah, just a touch. Just a touch. Yeah, just a touch. But <laughs> it, and it shows research. It shows passion. It shows this person is really looking to make our group better. If you if you remember from the last the last time you and I spoke a, a few weeks ago, there's two questions that an interviewer in their mind as you answer as they looked at your resume, LinkedIn profile, whatever. I've got to get the answers to these two no matter what. Why am I going to look like a genius for hiring you, and how are you going to help my team go from good to great? Mm -hmm. Well, Tim, let me tell you, if I'm a hiring manager and a candidate throws a question like that at me that shows they've researched, they add value, they've done that before, they want to jump right in and help me with our future plans, wow, they're knocking my socks off right now. Mm -hmm. As opposed to, again, the person who, who asked the types of questions uh, that I mentioned to you, this person's really showing me I could look like a really smart hiring manager for taking someone like Tim. Look how well prepared he is. Look how smart this guy is. That's why the candidates have to take the time to go in, and I'm suggesting five or ten prepared questions. Okay. You may never get the, the opportunity, Tim, to speak. You know, a lot of these interviews are 20, 30 minutes long. You get maybe one or two questions you can ask, and then the interviewer says, well, you know, we're going to have a second round or whatever, and thanks for coming. Tim, if you get the opportunity to ask many questions or just one, Here's a question that I, I want every one of your listeners to ask 
the interviewer. All right. And here it is. Tell me, Tim, what I need to do in the next six months that would make you tell your boss that hiring Mike Perry was the smartest career decision you ever made. I like that. Tim, I'm going to tell you something right now. There any, I've told hundreds of people that as I've made presentations and helped people with resumes and their interviewing skills, and I've always told people, if you ask that question, hiring managers won't know how to answer it because <laughs> nobody asked that question. Right. Tim, hundreds of people have asked that question who I've helped and gotten back to me and said, Mike, you're right. They couldn't answer the question, but they, I knocked their socks off. Hmm. And they told me that. I had one, Tim, I had one person tell me they asked that question. And the hiring manager said this person was going for a sales uh, job. She was interviewing with the sales manager. When she asked that question, the sales manager, she said, leaned back in her chair, and she said to this person, Pam, I have two things to say about that question. Number one, I have no clue how to answer it. Number two, you're hired. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, and that's what she said. She goes, Mike, I couldn't believe it. She goes, it was the first interview. And the woman says, you're hired. Wow. Well, okay, because... She, she knocked her socks off like, wow, this person wants to make me a superstar. Hmm. So whatever you do, go in with five or ten prepared, have them typed out, have them in your portfolio. Some you may check off because it comes up in the course of the interview. That's why I say go in with five or ten. Right. There's always going to be some, and you always have room for that one question. And and you're you're gonna look you're gonna look golden compared to the other candidates because Tim ninety nine percent of people will never ask questions like that because they haven't taken the time to even research enough to be able to ask those questions. Or they could just listen to LJN Radio and get it you know they right, could. right from the horse's mouth. Mike Perry. Well, they could. <laughs> <laughs> they could. How about that? Again, coming from your perspective, because you're somebody who. As much as people might not appreciate it, you talk to these types of people, you understand that part of it, that side of it. So I really do hope people take it to heart and understand if things are working for you, fine. But if they're not, this is a chance to kind of change it up a little bit. Something that comes up a lot as well, and I don't want to call it a buzzword, but you do hear it a ton, and that's the idea of fit. Why is that such a big thing? Why is it important that somebody is a good fit for a company's culture? Well, companies are so obsessed and should be with their the, – see, brand and culture are, are, are words – and you're right, they, they're buzzwords, but they're interchangeable. They're, they're equal. It's the same thing, hmm. brand, culture. Uh, and when you think of a candidate, I have a personal brand, so I have a culture. Hmm. So that's where somebody, uh, an interviewer, is trying to figure out well, is this Mike Perry guy, does the, the way he's coming across, the way he presented himself on LinkedIn, the way he treated the receptionist when he came in today uh, for the interview, the, the, the way his cover letter was put together, is he going to properly reflect the brand and culture that we in this company have worked so hard to, to you know, maybe they've spent hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars in advertising, signs, colors, logos, they're, if they do it right, they're all a piece of transmitting our culture, who we are. Culture is who you are. Mm. So I always tell folks, my, my dad had a classic line that he taught me when I was very young, and it's, it's very true. He said, you know, my class is something you can't touch, you can't pick it up, it's not something on a shelf. But he said, you'll always be able to recognize it. Mm. Well, Tim, the same could be said of culture. 
I, I can't go into a company and, and pull culture off a shelf. It's not something you sell. It's 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 not something you know words in a brochure. It's it's people. It's the way your people act, and it's the way people act inside the organization and outside the organization. Sure, Tim. Think of a sports team. Now the the NFL, you know, a couple months back went through the draft, and and if you, if you follow sports at all. They or any other major, you know, uh, sports league will say, well, we picked this person to be our quarterback or whatever because we believe he has the skills to do this and that, but we also really fell in love the way he is off the field. Mm-hmm. Because, and, and I, you know, I hate to say this, but, you know, listen, we're, we're from Cleveland. We had, our football team has not had the greatest <laughs> reputation. And they just hired a quarterback. I won't mention his name, but everyone will know who I'm talking about, who quickly uh, was in trouble with the law, drank too much, you know, and, and did things that were not reflective of the culture that Cleveland Browns as a football team and as an organization wanted. They fired him. They got rid of him. Right. And they said, he's not a fit. He doesn't reflect who we are. That's why cultural fit is so important to him. If you don't reflect who they are, in a sense, 24-7, they don't need you because mm. you'll hurt them. What they need is they need Tim or Mike or whomever to be out there always supporting and pushing the brand. And you don't have to wear a big logoed outfit all the time, but it's the way you act. Right. I worked for a bank, Tim, before I came here, and I worked for a financial services organization. If I walked around in, in, in shorts and flip-flops all day, people <laughs> would look at me and say, well, that doesn't is reflective of a culture I think is represented by a bank or a financial planning firm. This looks like the guy's running beach chairs. You know, so you, you have to be cognizant of that. If you come across that way, you're, you're so much more attractive to the organization. Tim, a, a company will take culture, will fit over skills. Because I cannot change cultural fit. See, mm-hmm. a culture is, is a trait. So, Tim, let's say that you're you're very you're known to be very honest and hardworking. Tim, you got, you were that way uh, back when you were four and five years old. I can't change that as an employer. Think about it. You go back, and I mean, you you you've got some kids. I've got kids. If I think back when they were really young and what, the way they are today, they haven't really changed. Sure. What have they've gotten better at is skills. We'll see a skill is communication, PC proficiency, you know, ability to, you know, put some wires together. Those are learned things, but your traits are part of your DNA. So I would rather take things I can't change that are the highest match for the culture and brand of my company. And as long as you have a willingness and ability to learn, and by the way, ability to learn, guess what? It's a trait. (laughs) I can't teach you to be able to learn, and your willingness to learn actually is, in effect, a reflection of your ability. You can have the ability to learn, but there are those that don't want to. Sure. There are those that have both. I want somebody who's a great cultural fit, has the ability to learn, and, and the willingness. And then I can teach them. I can polish their skills. Whatever gap I think there are in skills, I can polish that. Tim, that is my ideal candidate. Yeah, I think that's a terrific way that you phrased everything as far as the idea that, as you said, for the most part, skills can be taught. And obviously, they have to have the basic competencies that you need for a position, but those can be taught. Uh, but as you said, the kind of that, the core character of those individuals, I think you hit it right on the head there in uh, explaining to people why that matters so much and how it can impact them, obviously, positively or negatively. Obviously, we've been talking about the interview 
But some people wonder, well, is that my only shot as far as demonstrating what I know or where my expertise is? Uh, how can they show that off in a positive way to prospective employers or recruiters before they even get to that point? Tim, that's a great question. And now with, uh, and this is what's so great for today's job seekers, as opposed to, let's say, even 10 or 12 or 15 years ago, social media, be it be it Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and I would say more LinkedIn, and then the, the ability to... Uh, you know, go out and do some blogging or comment on blogs. Mm-hmm. That has is such a powerful tool for candidates today to demonstrate that they are a, a thought leader, a, a person who has great thoughts about the type of industry or knowledge or products or clients or abilities to create relationships. That you can demonstrate your skill sets by commenting on discussions in LinkedIn. You can, a well put together. Comment, set of comments about an article, your take on an article, or your comments about someone else's posting in a discussion. So let's say I'm a project manager, and I belong to two or three groups on LinkedIn, uh, you know, for project managers. There, there's a, you know, PMI, Project Manager Institute. Mm-hmm. And so if I go out and there are some great discussions on there about things happening in our industry or, or you know, new, new and, and great ways to manage projects, I want to get out there and comment on that. And, and then that gives me the opportunity to have people look at that and go, wow, boy, I really like that guy's take on that. Well, guess what? That can be shared with, you know, going viral. This is the whole great thing about social media. It isn't just to the people who happen to be on at that moment. It's all the people that within literally a half a minute can share this with one, dozens, hundreds, thousands of people. Mm -hmm. And the more people that look at this, the more your name gets out there. You can write a blog. You can comment on blogs. Tim, there was an article years ago, I think it was in the Wall Street Journal, about a guy who commented on a blog that was written by an executive, a senior executive at Microsoft. Long story short, ultimately what he did is he had commented enough on the blog that the the gentleman from Microsoft wrote uh, one time that he was going to expand five divisions at some point in the future across the country to do this, that, and the other thing. This guy had already been recognized for some really great commentary over a course of months, on that gentleman, Microsoft, uh, his his blogs, Mm -hmm. he contacts the Microsoft guy, according to the Wall Street article, and he says, hey, why don't you bring me in, fly me out there to Seattle, (laughs) interview me for your, I'll be your first district manager or whatever you want to call it, and I'll help you hire the other four. A few weeks later, this guy's making buku bucks, and he's a VP or whatever at Microsoft, Tim, because he read a blog. Wow. Because he read and commented on a blog. Sure. Now, if that guy can do that and spend the time doing it, and therein lies the key, you got to commit to spend the time. Mm-hmm. It's like anything else. I, I can't put a message out on marketing one time and expect millions of new clients. I might have to put that message out there dozens or hundreds of times before I get one phone call. Right. Same with this guy. You can't make a, a three-line comment and, and think the guy from Microsoft or anybody else is going to go, oh, I need to hire that guy. <laughs> That's not how it works. Somebody has to see a series of consistent messages where they go, wow, I really like this guy's take on X. 
And, Tim, this is a great way for people to demonstrate their knowledge. So, again, you can write a blog. These providers, be they WordPress, Google, they've made it so easy. You could get up and running with a blog with graphics and look professional in under two hours. And then people can comment on your blog. You can create dialogues. I write a blog for job seekers that's read in 27 different countries. I've had people call me, email me from around the world, people who are CEOs, hey, let's connect, you know, hey, I know people in Northeast Ohio, I'm Mm going to send them to your company, because I like the way you write. (laughs) Now, Tim, I've gotten some new clients like that, and and, and because I wrote a blog that some person in this one, I remember this one person was from Spain, who read my blog and said, I know people in Northeast Ohio, I'm going to tell them to come and see you. And we had some folks come up here and become clients of ours, because I wrote a blog. Really? Now, if I can do that, Tim, anybody can, but you just got to spend the time. That's a great way to do that. The other thing people can do, again, in your research, you find out where a company needs some help. You can go in and prepare a, uh, here would be my first 90 days. So during that first interview, you walk in with some white paper, you know, an action plan, something that's already written, and Mm -hmm. somebody, I'm telling you, you're going to blow them away. Because no candidates ever spend the time to do that. I wound up doing that with a, when, when I got laid off from a, a bank back in 2001. My first interview was with another bank, and I had helped my former employer create a mystery shop program where, you know, they take normal people to go into your branches right. and, and, and ask some questions, and then they do a, you know, like a, a summary and evaluation. So I... I knew what the job was very similar to the one that I'd been laid off from at at my former employer. I created a 10-page, well-documented mystery shop on 10 of their retail branches for the Southern Bank. I walked in five minutes into the interview. I said, hey, um, by the way, take a minute and read this. I went to your branches. Here's what I did. Here's the, the value I can bring. The guy looked at me and said, I have never, in all the people I've ever interviewed, had anyone do anything even close to this. Nice. He walked out of the room. He called the general manager who was in another city for, for all of the state of Ohio. He said, that guy wants to come up and meet you tomorrow. Wow. Because I took the time to do a mystery shop because I did something no one else had done. And when he read how thoroughly I had done this, he said, I, I didn't even know some of the stuff about the branches. He said, my goodness. And the guy who came, who was in charge of the state of Ohio, told me, Mike, he said, I, I actually want you to develop a plan for the entire state of Ohio for this. He says, we don't have anybody who even knows how to do this. So, Tim, you take what you know and you connect the dots to the company. But again, Tim, you've got to do the research. Yeah. You can't connect a dot if you don't know where the other dot is. You've got to know where those pressure points are and how you can re- turn the pressure off and be and be the savior that's what candidates need to do and you can do this during the interview before the, you know i mean you got to do this work before the interview mm-hmm. but you could go in so much better prepared to really knock somebody's socks off right and i do hope that's what people take away from this that yeah it's going to take some extra time and commitment beforehand but in the long run that's what's going to get you the job otherwise you're going to be spinning your wheels and you're going to go to 
you're going to waste time going to multiple interviews that you aren't going to get the job for. So I do hope that people uh, heed your advice and I think some excellent examples that people can definitely uh, beg, borrow, and steal from. So I hope they do. Uh, unfortunately, Mike, as always, time flies by. You give us great examples and insight, uh, but we are out of time for this edition. But I want to thank you again for coming on, sharing all of your expertise. I know uh, I appreciate it and I'm sure all the listeners do as well. Well, thanks a lot, Tim. Great talking to you again and uh, have a great day. Unfortunately, we are all out of time here on Job Search Guide. I'd like to thank once again our guest, Mike Perry, president of Zarka Financial. Always does a great job for us here on LJN Radio. If you have any questions for us or maybe you want to suggest a topic for the future, just send an email to ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. Also, look for all of our shows on localjobnetwork.com resource. Otherwise, you can always find the episodes on iTunes as well. Thank you once again for listening. I'm Tim Muma. Take care, everybody.